Hello and welcome to a podcast brought to you by The Religion of Aston Villa. We're a social media account on Twitter and Facebook that wants to get our voices out there and heard, so please join us. You're right, guys, and welcome to another episode today. We're looking at, uh, obviously, Villa against Man United this Sunday at five past two. A bit of a uh, silly time. Why can't it just be two o'clock? A bit <laughs> stupid there, but yeah. So it's a five past two kickoff at Villa Park on Sunday. We're going to be discussing everything uh, Villa and United. But before we get into it, obviously, Brad um, obviously loves doing polls and the results to see what our followers are thinking and everything. So, Brad... Over to you and tell us what the results were. Yeah, hello there, guys. Um, love a poll, not going to lie. Um, and I hope everyone else does. Um, <laughs> the question was, if Barkley plays like this for the rest of the season and it only costs £20 million, do you sign him? And I'm sure you went yes, I went no. And 69% went for yes. So another tally for you on the, uh, on the board, sadly. Yeah, I think... Um... If Barkley hadn't awoken up the past two games, though, I don't think that would have been a yes, though, if him, you know what I mean? It just yeah. seems to me the past two, three games, he's woken up and got back into the form that we all know and we all want. So that's why I was like, yes. And as, and, and as I keep saying, he will get his points the last few games if he keeps doing it. So I don't mind him coming to form at this time of the season. If it's going to help us get points and keep us tempt or... Ninth, I don't think we'll get any, any higher than 10th or 9th, but I'll be really happy with that. So, yeah, just long may it continue. And it'll be interesting in the summer to see what we do if Barkley does play really well for the rest of the season, if we do uh, dabble in the older market for him. So, yeah, be be interesting. Yeah, it will be. And like you say, let's just hope he, he keeps us going up and up the league. And if we don't sign him, you know, the higher the finish, the higher quality players we can sign. Um just before we go into the lineups, uh, just a quick one out there, just because it got released yesterday all over social media about the new performance centre at Bodymore Heath. So just a quick two-minute thing on it. What, what do you think? Obviously, I know we're more going to be happy, but just a quick thought on what, what, what you think about it. Um, I didn't realise we were this soon for it to be completed. Not that I sh- should have been told it. It was... Uh... <laughs> Nearly done. I was just norm because normally people talk about it on Twitter, don't you? Like, yeah, Birmingham Mail talk about it. Oh, there's leaked pictures, and so even though it's been opened, I did read that it's not fully, fully completed until pre-season next season. I don't know what they need to be finished, but I think ninety percent of it's done. But for them to say it's a hundred percent done, I think they've said it'll be done for pre-season. Um, I think it's really, really good. Obviously, um, it's going to be one of the best training grounds, obviously, in the. Um, league and it's going to make the players feel that extra good as well because they've got the facilities to feel like they're and you know a proper player proper elite uh team sort of thing and to be fair i think i've definitely heard perlo say this that all the academies uh the women or the age groups everyone's going to train there so again for a young player coming through that's immense i mean you could be a lower age and suddenly you're just bumping into Jack on the treadmill and stuff. So I just think ment- mentally, 
for players and kids to be like like that, I think it's class. And I'm just so happy we've got owners that are pumping money into the right places. Yeah, I mean, like, as you said, like, it's good that it's across the board, not just the senior. So, you know, obviously, if you have any young, you know, 12, 13, 14 year old going round, looking at the training ground, going to pick a club um, and he sees this, you know, world class training facility, you know, it could obviously push him into signing for us, as it will do for like the senior players. You know, if we want to start moving up the league and start becoming one of these, you know, getting, you know, stop being a sleeping giant and come back to being a top club in the in the in the world again, or at least in in England, um, you've got to have the facilities to do it. So obviously now we've got this world class facilities, as I said, and performance centre and everything. You know, you're going to go and sign a player who's you know on the cuff to sign him for somebody else, or is unsure who he wants to sign for, and you show him this is where you're going to be training. You know, it's only a good thing. And, you know, to get world-class players, you've got to have a world-class facility and we're kind of going in the right direction. And also, just as you touched on the owners, it kind of shows you they're going to be a long-term because they wouldn't invest in infrastructure if they're, if they're just going to be a flash in the pan owner. Um, yeah. So it kind of shows that they're going to be a long-term and, you know, they've got, um, you know, the, the, them thinking for it, not, not just like this season next, but obviously in the next 10, 12, whatever years, obviously l- allowing the graduates and the kids to be part of that, which also, you know, women's football is, you know, slowly but surely increasing in, you know, the publicity way and, you know, with it, on telly and everything like that. So obviously we can hopefully get ahead of the steam with that by, you know, getting them to train in, in world-class facilities. I'm not saying that other clubs don't do that already, but it's just good that we are going in the right direction across the whole, you know, the spectrum. Um, getting into the lineup, uh, how are you expecting us to line up or how you'd like to see us line up, either or? Um, how I want to line up, uh, <laughs> it, it, it would involve Jack. So, uh, yeah, I wouldn't touch, and I know this sounds corny and all that, but I wouldn't touch your winning team. Um, and Everton aren't an easy team these days. So for us to beat Everton away um, with that team, to me, they've earned the right to all have their starting lineups for the next game. I know United's a different animal and all that, but the lineup, they all did a very good job. Um, they did what they needed to. We're not blessed with maybe depth due to injuries and stuff. So, in my opinion, the whole 11 stops there. So, Martinez and goal, Cash, Target, Konza, Mings, uh, Watkins up top with... Um, you can't drop Algarzi, obviously. You can't drop Torre because they're game changers. And then in the middle, it was... Why is my one gone blank? McGinn, Louise and Barkley weren't mm-hmm. here. Uh, so hopefully Ross can continue his form. But yeah, in my opinion, they all did deserve to keep their um, starting place as corny as it sounds. You don't change your winning team. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking the same, but I think the only one that I felt that was let the side down, well, I'd say two that let the side down, but one more so than the other was Louise. So, <clears throat> I mean, if I was going to make a change, it would be Nakamba for Louise. Um yeah. But like I say, McGinn isn't exactly in my good books at the moment. Um, he's frustrating the hell out of me. But obviously, we, we're kind of lacklustre in that midfield at the moment with Sanson out. Jack's obviously out, which means, you know, Barkley could have put him pushed deeper or so on. Obviously, we've got Ramsey on the bench. But I, I think it might be too much of a big game to be marking someone like a Bruno or a Pogba, you know. Uh, so, I, I probably wouldn't change, as you said. But if, if I am going to make a change, it'd probably just be... Louise uh, for Nakamba. <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me, Nakamba for Louise. 
So it would be Martinez, Cash, Cons and Mings, Target, Nakamba, um, McGinn with Barkley just sat behind Watkins and Trey and Algarzi on the wing. So like I said, that'd be my only mega change. I would like to say that I'd like to see maybe some of the kids come on. I mean, it's United, you know, we never do that well anyways against them. So if the game's toast, uh, you know, if it's like 1-0, then I understand to keep the seniors going. But if we're 2-3-0 down, I wouldn't mind seeing a couple of the, the kids come on. Do you know what I mean? Just depend on how the game goes. That would be the only thing I'd say. Yeah, no, I completely understand about the kids. Um, if it was a lesser team, I probably would have said yes. I believe we play Everton in the next few weeks. Um, we have only a few games left. That's the sort of game maybe you'll throw a few kids in. For United, I still think we have a chance to beat them. Um, and obviously, we're trying to get all the points. So I still would play the strongest team. But I know what you're on about the kids. That'd be really good to see. Yeah, yeah. Um, how do you expect the game to go? Or, you know, how would you set up uh, what you're weary of, so on? Uh, it's going to be the same as Everton, in my opinion. It's going to be it's going to be an end-to-end game. As much as United are second, um, I think not playing the other day is going to rattle them a bit. Um, and I believe they're playing in the next few days, aren't they, for the Europa? I, yeah. I, might, be, I might be wrong, but I know they're quite a few goals up in their first leg, so they, they might rest some of the big boys because we're what recording on a Wednesday. So, obviously, I think they play on the Thursday. Um, they might rest some of their big boys because I think they had a 5-1 advantage or something stupid like and that. So, um, so they can afford to do that. But uh, I think it'll be like Everton counter football, but I don't care if that gets us a point or that, or that gets us three points, then we're sound. But in my opinion, the game's won in, mid, in midfield against United. Um, I think we've got enough in the back five to deal with their front three. Um, it's just their midfield. I've got Pogba and Fernandez and all them not. So it's not exactly an easy uh, middle three to deal with. So that's when you said maybe Nakamba playing might be better than Louise or a game like this might galvanise Louise. Do, do you know what I mean? Because it's because it's United. He's technically still a City player. Well, he can be a City player in the summer. So it's maybe this is the game like Ross had a game to sort of get back into it. This could be it for Louise, but if we can control that midfield, then we could get a point or even possibly three. But if we have to carry an, anybody like we have done, i.e. McGinn or Louise the past few games, then unfortunately the game's lost. But um, hopefully we can show up like we did against Everton because to be honest, I don't expect us to not be Everton, but in my opinion, do so well against Everton because of, because how poorly we've played the past few games. So I'm quietly confident that we can get a point or above. Um, we just need to keep that midfield quiet and not give a penalty away. Yeah, I mean, as you said, I'm expecting... It's either going to be a very entertaining game like it, always, like it was against Everton, sorry, or it's going to be an absolute drab match and it's going to be 1-0, game done. You know, it's just going to... I think it's going to be one way or the other. I can't see it being you know, like a 50-50 attack and defend kind of game. It's just going to be all out or it's just going to be a proper drab match. So, um, I mean, obviously I'd take any points against United, especially with how poor we are against them, you know, over the years as well. Um, and yeah, like you say, it's, it's we've just got to concentrate. We've got to run the midfield is where it's going to be won, in my opinion. Um, they have got, obviously, Greenwood, Rashford, Martial, who are, you know, top, top players. Um, but I think where it's going to be won is obviously like where Bruno is. You know, he's there. 
Jack Grealish in he really, let's be honest. Um, he makes everything happen for them. Um, but we just it, it's the concentration levels. I think that's where we, we could lose out because obviously we have a few players. Like I'm not going to you know single out like Mings and things like that, but you get what I mean, like where we can make sloppy passes. Traore has been caught. McGinn's done it against Everton. Traore did against City. Uh, Mings has done it a couple of times. You know, Conzer hasn't been fully there, you know, for me in the last few games, especially since his contract. I'm not blaming it on that, but as a whole, we just we seem to be a bit lacking in in the concentration side of the game. Um, but it's it, it, you know they're not unbeatable. You know they're not. I know they're second in the league behind a very, very world-class Man City side at the moment. So they are doing well, um, which, you know, you, you've just got to take the good for the bad with this game. And hopefully we can just, you know, nullify everything they bring at us. Um, like I say, if we can try and keep Bruno quiet, which is what I'd be aiming to do. And like you said, with Louise being kind of an ex-City player, potentially a, a City player again, Hopefully, as you know, uh, a, a game like Barkley did against his against you know against Everton, um, you know, being a former Manchester lad, um, but it, it's going to be quite interesting as well. Just going off it a little bit to see what happens. As like you said, we're going to talk a bit about Man United. Um, what's going to happen with the Liverpool game? Because you said that it was you know there could be rattling about it being you know abandoned due to the fans. Um, it's just going to be interesting to see what happens with that, whether, like you said, it could affect them mentally because obviously they've had a game abandoned. They might be thinking, oh, is it going to happen again? You know, are the Man United fans going to run on to Villa Park and stop it? You know, which obviously we, I doubt it and I'm sure they're going to prepare for something like that. But what what do you think of the whole Man United protest, as you said, just to touch on Man United? Um I don't know if this is going to annoy people, but I think what they did was stupid. Um, if you look at Arsenal a few weeks ago, what they did was outside the ground, that they had flares and banners. Fine, awesome. They didn't do any, any, anything stupid and run onto the pitch and damage stuff and attack police and all that. They just Arsenal did it how, in my opinion, it should have been done. So in my opinion, I think United fans were silly. And don't get me wrong, it's not my club in the situation that they were, but I think it was spoiled by a few and a lot of people just followed them. There was just a lot of sheep, and it just escalated out of control. And to get a game uh, cancelled, I don't think they realise how serious it is. So I think, personally, they should have done it another way or take a page of Arsenal's book, how they did it. It was like they were singing, and they did it outside the stadium. And Do you know what I mean? It's an actual protest. What they did wasn't a protest. It was more of a vandal sort of way of looking at it. They onto the pitch. They were onto the stands, throwing flares and bottles up at the commentator thing and um, obviously attacking police and stuff. I don't know what that's going to achieve. Arsenal probably achieved more with uh, what they did. So in my opinion, and obviously it's not my club going through this, so obviously I may feel a little bit different if uh, Villa were going through it, but I think they didn't handle it well what's, like whatsoever. I thought they could have easily have done it better. Yeah, I mean, I, I work with a, a Man United fan. Shout out to Mark. Um, but he's uh, he was kind of with us on this. He was saying how stupid it was, and it, 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 to get a you know obviously a Liverpool Man United game is pretty much a derby. You know, it's, I know you know they're not close, but over the years with a rivalry, and to get that cancelled and abandoned was absolutely nuts. And like you said, to do it outside and protest that way. It's, you know, it, it's fine. We understand. I mean, we have did it through. I'm sure we did it against Ellis. I'm sure we did it against Lerner in the lighter days. 
uh, when we weren't spending money. But the fact is, I don't understand what they're protesting for. I mean, okay, like you said, it's not our club. I don't know the ins and outs of it. But I understand the European Super League, right, where they protest against it. I get that. I I wouldn't want that for us uh, to leave the league. But it's been abandoned now. They got what they wanted by it being cancelled. Okay, the owner coming out, which I saw on Sky News today, refusing to apologise or even talk to Sky Sports News was absolutely embarrassing. Um, but... And and uh, I tell you what else is embarrassing: his hairline. <laughs> I don't know if you saw his long hair yeah. at the back, but yeah, sorry. <laughs> Carry on. I just, I just had to mention his hair. His hair was horrific. Sorry. Uh... but the end of the day is like they've got that cancelled so okay if he come out and apologize would that have stopped the protest i don't think it would have done i don't think it would have it would have made much difference so the fans got what they wanted but them saying oh they don't want the glazers in because of the debt and all this which okay but you're not paying it i don't understand that side i mean that's just me looking from the outside in but what they showed, I mean, I saw it on Match of the Day where Shearer was talking to, well, Match of the Day, you know, the panel was talking to this journalist and he was saying, well, we're in loads of debt. We shouldn't have no debt. And then I was thinking, well, you're, you're not paying it. They're paying it. So what's the issue? And they're going like, well, you know, we shouldn't, you know, we bought poorly. And then Shearer piped in and went, only since since the, uh, the Glazers are took over, only Man City has spent more than you. You've spent more than PSG, Liverpool, Barcelona, Real Madrid. So they're spending money, they've backed the manager, and then his comment was, well, yeah, but we bought poorly. Well, I can't see, do you know what I mean? That's not the Glazers' fault. I can't see the manager going, well, look, we want Harry Maguire, we want you to spend 90 million, but we don't really rate him. <laughs> do yeah. you know what I mean? They won't pay the money. So that's not really the Glazers' fault. So just outside looking in, I don't understand why they're protesting. And then to break into Old Trafford and make an absolute scene, is just it, it's embarrassing, and I feel sorry for the fans that aren't those. And look at them and thinking this is, you know, this is going to tarnish. You know, everyone think this is what United fans are and are about. And I know that that's not the case because I work with a Man United fan, and he he's level-headed and he doesn't say, you know, he completely was embarrassed being a fan. And it was like, well, this is this is they don't understand what they're doing. And like you, what a hundred fans or whatever it is, probably was out on the lash couple of people, you know, gave it the 10 men and thought, let's go do it, let's go break in. And then everyone followed, as you said, and it's just become an absolute nightmare-like. Do you know what I mean? And it's it's ridiculous, to be fair. It's it's ridiculous what's happened. And like I say, if if that was, if she was on the other foot and it was Villa fans breaking into Villa Park, I'd be embarrassed. And I'd probably, anybody that did that, I'd probably just wouldn't want to speak to on a footballing, you know, but, uh, you know, talking on football again with him because it just it's just gone stupid. It's nuts. It is, and you hit the nail on on the head there. It's the few that spoil it for the rest. Because you know, for a while, the majority of Villa, uh, of United fans wouldn't do that. Well, hence they don't live anywhere near Man- uh, Manchester. <laughs> but, um, it's a three hour journey, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, or from uh, on that London train. But uh, yeah. Um, they wouldn't do that. It's like if that happened, at, like Villa, it literally would be the mad, uh, the uh, mad few, as uh, Steve Bruce said. But um, yeah, it's literally just a few that make it look bad for everyone else, and it's a shame. But yeah, I think most people with a footballing brain will realise that it was not right, and I don't understand where Gary Neville was coming from, sort of defending them. And you can defend them to a point, but not when you do the stuff they did. And course uh, it was just yeah it was just something that ne- never needed to happen and it spoiled my sunday because i scheduled my sunday to watch that derby 
because every every Sunday with all the games, I always say to the wife, I'll watch one game because obviously I can't watch football all all day. So I chose that game to be the game and it didn't even play. So I was well annoyed. But yeah, um, silly, uh, silly thing. And as you said, I don't think that'll happen at Villa Park with the United fans. I think they'll be ready for it if there's any United fans about looking to do anything and I think the next United match there'll be a lot more security as well um, a bit daft that you need to do that considering we are still recovering from a pandemic so it's <laughs> yeah. a bit of a strange one um, but but yeah so hope, hopefully we uh, won't see that again because that just weren't good yeah no definitely. yeah 100% we can't be doing that again and like I said it's just going to make it harder now uh, for like the security wives, like I say, they're just going to be on edge all the time. And, you know, like from a police point of view and a security point of view, they're going to be like Hawkeye now all over every match to make sure that something doesn't happen. Because I'll be thinking, well, if it could have happened at Old Trafford, what saying it can't happen at the Emirates or Ellen yeah. Road or Villa Park. And it's just going to make things harder now from a security point of view. Like, you know, like, I mean, it's already you have to lose your bottle tops. What's next? Do you uh-huh. know what I mean? Your shoes. What's next? Yeah. <laughs> um, Got into any stats? Have you got any? Like I said, I normally have some, you know, Hollywood stats, but unfortunately, the guy that gives them me is uh, shit out. He's doing his uni work, so uh, I'm reliant on your uh, on your stats. This well, week. I've got a few stats, but they're obviously not as Hollywood as, uh, yeah, <laughs> they're not as jazzy as yours. Um, United's top goal scorer is Bruno, is Bruno uh, sixteen goals. 16 goals, probably all penalties. um, Yeah, he scored 16 goals, uh, followed by Rashford, 10. Cavani, 8. Cavani's came with a bit of form in the past few games. That scares me a little bit. Um, So they're the top three goal scorers. So, but I think we all knew those three names would creep up. Um, Assists, Bruno, 11. Rashford, 8. Again, they're the two goals. They're the two top goal scorers as well as the two top assists. So I'm guessing... Smith might have a plan to keep them quiet. Um, look at their formation. They play a 4-2-3-1. So maybe quite similar to us. But they've played it 31 times. So I'm banking they'll play it again today. I mean, when we play them on Sunday. Um, so we sort of know what formation they're going to play. It's quite similar to us. We know what players they've got. Um, it's just all about stopping them. Um, if we look at their strengths, I'm, I'm on a um, website that tells me the strengths and the weaknesses. The top three strengths they've put them as very strong is attacking down the wings, creating long shot opportunities, and creating chances using through balls. And the mm-hmm. weaknesses is classed as avoiding offside. That's going to be <laughs> Martial. I can guarantee you that'll be Martial. And stopping opponents from creating chances. So that says to me, um, stopping opponents from creating chances in front of their back four is maybe where they lose it. Because in my opinion, um, Lindelof is probably slightly better than Maguire. And that's a lot to say considering how poor Lindelof is. I think Maguire is like an oil tank and he's not going to go fast. So if we can create some nippy chances, if uh, Watkins can use his his um, sort of doggish sort of style, try and nip the ball of people. And I think that's where we're going to do them is their two centre-backs because their two defensive mids are Fred and McTominay and the two centre-backs are Lindelof and Maguire. 
they're, so in my opinion, their attack is like a Ferrari and their sort of defence and defence midfielder is like a Fiesta. So if we could sort of get behind their attack and do something, I think we can make, not an upset, but I think we could do something more than uh, what we would. So in my opinion, the weakness is their sort of back two and then their defensive mids, in my opinion. Yeah, as you said, just on those stats, like um, obviously I expected Bruno to top pretty much everything of their stats, which is you know about right. Um, yeah. But as you said, their wing players is a strength, which is obviously one of our um, strengths. Is obviously half fullbacks, so it's going to be quite interesting to see those clash. Um, you know, especially uh, you know with how good targeting cash have been this season. Um, and as you said, their front three are very good, but their back is very poor and. I think Fred and McTominay are really good players, but I don't rate Maguire or Lindelof. Like, I wouldn't have either for us. Um, I'm not trying to say Konza and Mings are better, uh, you know, uh, are world-class players, but I just think Man United players are very, very poor. Um, so, so, with those stats, what do you think the scoreline will be? I think we can get a point out, out, out of it. I want us to win, but I can see us getting a point out, out of it, and I hope we can. And I don't care about these clean sheets now because it's getting a bit silly. I think the players are putting too much pressure on them. So I don't care if we have a clean sheet. I just want to make sure that we get a point and we don't lose. I want to end the season on a high. So to me, a draw against United, to me, is progress. Um, So, yeah, I think we can get a point out of it or just don't get hammered because I want us to finish this season strongly and want the players to have a good end. Do you know what I mean? I want us to sort of show that we want to finish how we want to start next season, if um, you know what I mean. Because if you go towards the end of the season losing games that maybe we didn't try in, the start of the season, you've got to sort of get that confidence up again. But if, yeah. we, end, but if we end the season well, so get a few wins, a few draws against some big teams, a few clean sheets here, here, here and there, we'll go into pre-season with a bit of a, a hop in our step because we're already in good form. So, yeah, I'm hoping that we can um, just show a good account of ourselves because I think last season, going into this game, if we did podcast, I'll be like, we're going to get absolutely ripped apart. <laughs> but it's yeah. good that we can actually say, actually, I've got, conf- I've got confidence and I think we might be okay. Uh, I'm going to go, I think there'll be a score draw. As you said, I think we put too much pressure on for the clean sheets. Like, you know, like if we're going into the start of last season, no way would we be thinking we're going to get 14, 15 clean sheets. Um, so I think we just need to go back to that and have the little to no pressure again on, on that side of the game. So I think it's going to, I don't think we're going to the clean sheet in my opinion, because it's just typical Villa not to break a, you know, an old record. Um, so, and if it is a record that needs breaking, it's normally a bad one, i.e. when we went down and <laughs> <laughs> going for like so long without a win. I think only Derby beat us. Um, so, I, I'm going to go for a 1-1 uh, and I think it's going to be Bruno and Oli for me, for scorers. Um, yeah, I'd love Oli to keep scoring. I'll, I want him to finish high because if he keeps doing it, you never know. He could go to the, he could go to the Euros. You never yeah. know. Um so it'll do a word of good for him. And to have Watkins, say if he does go to the Euros, I don't care if he doesn't play, but if he went to the Euros with England, how good would he be confident for next season? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, he'd be buzzing. 
Yeah, well, that's the thing because I've always said Oli is is a confident striker and he's a patch striker. So if he scored, like for me, because he scored against Everton, he's due another goal. Um, because if you look at his record, it isn't like a goal and then goes missing for four or five games. He normally does a couple of goals and then doesn't score for three, four games. So he's a bit of a patch striker, as I've said, and he's a confident striker. And how much confidence he should have after the Everton game should be surreal because he was, like I said, I gave him a 10 out of 10. I don't think there was, obviously he could have scored possibly a couple more, but um, but that that that's the only thing I could really say about the, the Everton game. But going into this against the poor back four, in my opinion, um, it's mental to think how you know Man United are second, and for me, I think I've got one of the poorest centre half partnerships in the league. Um, it's just my point of view. I might be absolutely slighted for that, but um, going into the the poll this week, it's a bit of a different one. Oh. Um, well, I wouldn't say it's too much different, but it's just because of obviously the performance centre got me thinking about obviously the academy and things like that. So. For next season, would you loan out Louis Barry or would you call him up to the first team? Now, obviously, we, at the moment, we don't know if we're going to sign another striker, but there is a lot of talk, so I don't know if that can you know, vary your answer. If we don't buy another striker, then no, because he will be coming in. But if we buy another striker, then 100% loan him out to a championship team, but a decent championship team, like a yeah. top six one that I that's pushing for the playoffs or to get promoted, not your Wickhams and your Rotherhams and all that. He needs to go to like, I mean, we don't know who's going up, but say like if Brentford don't go up or something like that, I want him there. But uh, I think 100% he needs to be loaned out. He doesn't need a season in the under-23s. He's had it this season and he's scoring goals for fun. So to me, it's getting a bit too easy. So no, 100% he needs to be loaned out. But obviously... I'm going off that we'll get another striker. So I would say yes, he needs to be loaned out. Okay, I, I'm going to say no. To be fair, I was on an Ari and I thought, do you know what? That normally, <laughs> normally I know my answer before I ask the question, but on this one I was unsure because, uh, yeah, I, I, I would keep him. Um, even if we do sign a striker, because obviously we, if a striker comes in, then I believe a striker is going to go out in the fact, like whether it could be Wesley going out on loan, you know, for match fitness, if it's not 100%, it could be Davis, which, you know, makes no sense because I should have loaned him out this year, but I'm kind of glad they didn't after the <laughs> Albion game. Um, so for me, I, I would keep him and I'd start to make him and say to him, look, for this season, you are going to be our cup striker, argument's sake. Because yeah. even if we do sign a striker, if we get, if we say, argument's sake, if we say Tammy, Right, we know Tammy and Ollie are going to be the main two. Whether we go four four two or Ollie plays just behind Tammy, or I hope it doesn't happen, but Tammy can be pushed out on the wing. I, I don't know what it's going to be, but I'd like Barry to start getting his, you know, to start being given the chance because we've given Keenan Davis enough chances. Okay, he's repaid it a little bit now. I'm not going to say a lot, but he has repaid a little bit of the faith. But Barry should be given that same opportunity and for me he should be given um he should be given the opportunity Davis was getting but obviously Davis has obviously scored now. Um so for me I would keep him. No, I mean it's again it's like as always with your poll questions, it's I would go either. Do you know what I mean? It's not there's no wrong answer. Do you know what I mean? Um I just think he could benefit more by going to a championship team like Tammy did when Chelsea loaned him out to Swansea and to us and to Bristol. 
and I think he'll do a good job there. Uh, just going back, just briefly, to the whole Watkins thing. Um, I saw a tweet. I don't know if you've seen because you're quite active on Twitter. There was a tweet from a Sheffield United account of, is it, uh, who's that Sheffield United striker? The young Brewster. One from, is, it the, yeah. is it the Brewster Watkins one? And he put on yeah. something like, we paid 23 million for Brewster and they end up spending 28 to 32 for Watkins. And then yeah. all these, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> Brewster's, <laughs> and it's stats. like a gif of Brewster <laughs> laughing because the Sheffield United fan at the time thought they got the better deal. And yeah. then you realise that Watkins has scored more England goals than he has for <laughs> league goals. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just thought that was really, really funny. And I, I'm not going to lie, I sort of wanted that Brewster guy because um, I thought he was young. He played for Liverpool. He had a decent, I think he's got a, he had a decent future. He may still have it, but I don't know if it's at cha- uh, premiership level because he could go into the championship now and smash it. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, yeah. I think... Maybe yeah. the Premier League's not his level at, at the moment. Not saying he won't be, but it just that tweet just made me laugh. Yeah, no, I saw it and I thought it was quite funny, but I felt quite sorry. I was like, well, you know, <laughs> it's quite poor. But um, like I remember when we were linked to Brewster, to be fair, and uh, it kind of reminded me of Solanke, who went to Bournemouth, where he had all the future in the world and just didn't really live up to it. I mean, he has been doing very well in the Championship now. Yeah. Um. But I think Brewster, I think if he goes down and he does, you know, I think he, I think he might need the confidence. I think if he can go down, like if they are, well, obviously they are going down, he could go and easily get 15, 16 goals. And then if, you know, if it pushes Sheffield United to be promoted, you never know, he could come back and be on fire. But yeah, at the time, I was, I always wanted Watkins and I've wanted him for a while because obviously I've followed, I wouldn't say I follow Brentford, you know, heartily, but obviously um, I don't live too far from uh, Bescott. <laughs> so I know from Smith, at, <laughs> I know Smith at Warsaw. Uh, so like when he went to Brentford, I was like, oh, that's quite interesting because he's very well with Warsaw. Then, you know, you always keep an eye on, um, when, when, you know, if you like a manager, you kind of follow them a little bit. Um, like I suppose a lot of people do with Pep, you know, when he moved from Barca to, it's a bit of a different level in it, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> but if you see what I mean, like so when when we were linked to Watkins, I was like, yeah, he's really good. He's he like, you know, he smashed the championship. And then everyone was going, oh, I don't know if I want him because it's championship. This Brewster guy, you know, the next thing for Liverpool. And I was like, nah, nah, nah. He's got to be. He's, he's the one. And I'm kind of glad I got kind of proven right. To be fair. <laughs> well, to be fair, we know that Brewster can do it in the championship, and I think that's why. Sheffield United brought him because didn't he do really well for Swansea the season prior to that and they just missed out yeah. on the playoffs and yes, yes Brewster right. was part of that so I think Sheffield United were going off maybe the same sort of thing that we were going off get one of the top championship strikers and he'll come good but he looked like we had the better sort of end of it uh, don't get me wrong he, Brewster may come good but at the moment I think we got the better deal and as well it's about Sheffield United fans I did see one tweet as well about they had the better deal because they got a young Stockdale and we got an old Martinez. <laughs> so that got a bit, uh, that got, uh, so that tweet got old quite fast. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. Because to be fair, when we was linked, when we was linked to Ramsdale, I was kind of like, yeah, he's, he's okay. He's okay. And then obviously Martinez coming in, I was like, yeah, I can't believe we've got this guy who absolutely smashed it for Arsenal. And to be honest, it looks like we have bought Arsenal's best player for 20 million. Yeah, I think, uh, obviously, we're not going to go into it too much. We'll do a transfer sort of um, 
review at the end of the season about how our d- uh, deals were, but this is probably one of the best transfer seasons we've had for a long, long time. Obviously, January was dead, but COVID had a massive issue with that. So, if it was a normal yeah. season, I think we would have brought more, but our yeah. summer signings for this season were just insane. And I don't think we've had like as good as this since like the Carew and Young days. Yeah, and like you said about the COVID thing, obviously, if you wanted Martinez last January, argument's sake, it probably would have cost you two million. Do you know what I mean? Because he was hardly playing at all um, for Arsenal. And like I say, he's been there, what, 10 years, loaned out like nine years of it or something stupid. So it wouldn't really cost you anything. And then obviously he had a ridiculous six months where he was arguably the best goalkeeper in the league, you know, during um, Project Restart. Um, so obviously it cost us that much, but he has returned. That 20 million is like a stip now because he's paid that off so quickly. Um, but as you said, it is very, like like you said, the Carew and Young days where it's just so exciting um, at the moment. And obviously we are going to do, We I know we keep mentioning it every podcast, but we are going to do some absolute mega transfer podcasts um, where we probably can talk 24 hours non-stop about transfers. I'm absolutely looking forward to it and I hope everyone else will be uh, as well who listens. So it's going to be, uh, it's going to be great. And I can't wait to talk about it. Yeah. Um, summer is going to be a good lot of uh, podcasts just to let everyone know. Uh, we won't have radio silence over summer with podcasts. We're no. going to be still doing a podcast every single week, talking about whatever news has came out about Villa, uh, trans, transfer rumours. We'll probably do media madness as a game where we talk about what, what the papers are saying and stuff. But yeah, we'll definitely be doing an episode a week still um, to keep everyone in the football mood because sometimes it can go a bit stale out there because you don't watch Villa because it's pre-season and stuff. And obviously you've got the Euro, you've got the Euro Rose as well. So depending on what Villa players go to the Euros, we could do something with that. But there will be podcasts consistently coming out still. I think I think that's the key to just to keep talking about the Villa and then when the season starts again, we can jump back in again. Yeah, definitely. Like I say, I, I, I think we'll end up doing more than one. Um like like we did uh, a few like a few times this season where we've literally done two or three a week depending on obviously our work schedules and things. But one is going to be the very very minimum I think because obviously yeah. people will sign. We could always do like a 10, 15 minute one off. You know, if we saw arguments, hey, we'd sign Tammy, which I'd absolutely love. We could just do a 10, 15 minute quick announcement on that. Um, or you know, obviously if we've already got one planned, we can throw it in and make it a bit longer. Like I say, it's not, we're not going to be radio silent at all. There's no way you can silence us talking about Villa. It's just not <laughs> yeah. going to, literally, it's not going to happen. <laughs> no, and how football rumours and transfer rumours and just how Villa are moving forward, like, like with the training ground and stuff, there's always something to talk about and and we can always make half an hour out, out of something. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> but uh, we're going to leave it there. Um, but thank you very much for all tuning in. Um, hopefully the next time it'll be about another win or another point but even if we lose we're, st- we're still going to talk about it because uh, you need to talk about the pros and cons and you need to pick the bones out, out out of a game so yeah so the next time I mean the game's on Sunday it could be Monday it could be Tuesday but we'll get a podcast out regardless we're yeah. recording this on Wednesday when are we re- publishing this is it Wednesday or Thursday Brad uh, literally, I'm going to drop it out in the next 10, well, if you guys like, literally, it'll be out today on Wednesday, so 
Uh, I'm going to sort it all out, edit it all, and then get it out straight away. So you've got a few days to have a have a listen before the United game. Here we go. So it just gives you something to talk about because we have to wait an extra day compared to other teams. So to get you in the mood, just give us a listen and hopefully um, you don't mind us talking rubbish. But we do appreciate it. And thank you very much for everyone that listened to the Everton um, review we did. It's nearly our top podcast. So we're really, really happy that people are are tuning in and listening to me and Brad just uh, chatting rubbish. But we do appreciate it. And we do it for you lot. We don't get paid or anything for it. We just do it because we love talking about the villa. So I'm going to leave it there. And we appreciate everyone getting involved. And hopefully uh, we'll talk about a win or or a draw. But either way, um, we'll get the United podcast out after Sunday. And uh, up the villa. Thanks, guys. See you again.